if we all took this mindset and we all shifted and we could move that trillions of dollars of invested money towards a world that is net neutral and going towards this world that we want to see, that could be an incredibly powerful thing for the whole of Australia. So sustainability is the buzzword of 2019 and rightfully so. While we may care about these issues, maybe we don't always put our money where our mouths are and uh, walk the walk. Walk the talk? Walk the walk. (laughs) Walk the talk and talk the walk. (laughs) And I think... We are becoming more aware, though, of how the decisions that we make with our money have big impacts on people and animals and the planet. But I think the big question that a lot of us have is, where do you start? Yeah, that's right. So we have carbon neutral car insurance, ethical super, uh, green energy. All these things require a little bit of thought before you sign on the dotted line. So we're speaking today with CSR and Public Affairs Manager and Finder's resident green expert, Ben King, to discuss the practicalities around this and tips to help you make more sustainable money choices. And of course, because Pocket Money is a show all about, you know, these big picture things, but also how it impacts our day-to-day lives, I think it's important to note that doing right by our planet is cheaper than you think as well. So we kind of covered this when we chatted with Anita Van Dyke on how to live a zero-waste life on a budget uh, a few episodes back. So make sure to check that out, but we'll definitely be asking some of those questions in today's episode too. This episode of Pocket Money is proudly presented by Future Super. We all know that money makes the world go round. And as we'll get into a little bit in today's episode, you can use your superannuation to have a say in how it spins. Future Super is a superannuation fund leading the movement to use the power of our money to build a future that's worth retiring into. If you're keen to learn more about how you can use your money to disrupt the old and build the new, head to myfuturesuper.com.au slash finder. All right, Sally. So uh, shall we get our green shirts on and talk to Ben? Yes, please. Welcome to the show, Ben. It's great to be here. We're really excited to have you on. We're ready to go green. Damn straight. So uh, why don't you tell the listeners a bit about what you do at Finder? Sure. So I'm the CSR manager here at Finder. So that's corporate social responsibility. And it's kind of just trying to make sure that Finder does good things for the the world as well as make a little bit of money along the way. So a big focus for us is all around sustainability. I've been working on sustainability issues for the last seven or eight years. Um, So I kind of know a little bit about green finances and how to use your money to, to drive better environmental impacts. And I think that's what we're talking about today. Definitely. And let's kick things off with a little bit of talk about superannuation. So can you tell us where our money goes and what makes some super funds more ethical than others? Yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite topics when it comes to green finances. I think I'm fairly recently moved to Australia. I'm from the UK. And I think what a lot of Australians don't realize is that the super system here is super generous. So every employer has to give you 9.5% of your salary that goes into a pot that you then manage yourself. Um, So that's quite rare. And what it's led to is this huge pension pot. I think it's one of the biggest in the world, fourth largest pension pot in the world. It's like three trillion Aussie dollars is being invested on my behalf. So I think we're like, as humans, very bad at visualizing what a trillion is. But someone said to me this the other day, that a million seconds is 12 days, a billion seconds is 30 years, and a trillion seconds is 31,000 years. 
Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) So it's like the difference between a billion and a trillion is huge, and this is all money that's being invested in something. So I kind of like to think of my super as a pot of money that I can invest in stuff that I care about. The other thing to think about with super is that we're all sort of late twenties, early thirties in this room, and we'll probably work to a seventy or eighty realistically in this world. We're looking at like fifty-year investment timelines. In 50 years time, some of the worst impacts of climate change will already be hitting us, will have quite dramatic in- impacts on our lives. So I think it's a really obvious example of a category where we should be investing our pension pots into the future that we want to see. So there are a, a bunch of options out there. And the good news is it's easier to switch than you think. The first one is Future Super. And the other one is Australian Ethical. So Australian Ethical has been around a little bit longer. But there are two super funds that are directly focused on this topic of how do we invest money and, and where should we invest there? So how do you pick an eco-friendly super fund? Like what, what should we be looking out for if we do want to invest our super in something that does align with our values? It kind of is all about the things that are important to you. So with all of these investment things, there's two ways they approach it. There's like negative screening where they'll exclude certain companies that they'll invest in. So Um, You might find funds that don't invest in fossil fuel companies, for example. There's also sort of positive investment themes. So the fund will intentionally invest more in stuff that's working towards a sort of climate positive future. So um, renewable energy is a big one, but stuff like healthcare as well can often go into those positive impact themes. So lots of these funds like Australian Africa and Future Super we've already mentioned have different approaches. So it's worth just going on and looking and sort of aligning what's important to you. For example, I'm with Future Super because they have a fund that directly tries to invest a percentage of your pension pot towards funding neural energy projects directly. How do these types of super funds compare to others? Obviously, that's the, probably the biggest question that someone will have when they're weighing these up, you know, when it comes to fees, service, uh, return on investment. Yeah, I mean, it's always hard to judge performance on investment products because like prior performance isn't necessarily an indicator of future performance. So this all comes with a slight pinch of salt. But if you look at the biggest super fund in Australia, it's Australian super. For the last three years, it's been 8.67% per annum. If you look at future super and Australian ethical and their balanced impact sort of similar funds, future super has been at 7.54 per annum. And Australian ethical balance has been at 8.9% per annum. They're performing at a fairly comparable level. When you look at fees, it does, from my experience, from what I've seen, it does look like it's a little bit more expensive, particularly on Future Super at the moment. If you're on that balanced impact fund, you're paying like a a 1.13% fee with an annual charge. You compare that to Australian Super, it's, it's sort of... 0.7%. So it's an important thing to consider because those fees can have a big impact. So ASICS did a study and it estimates that a fund that charges a 2% fee delivers a return of up to 20% lower than a fund that charges a 1% fee over a 30-year period, assuming that both are growing at the same rate. This is a complicated calculation and we're looking at like 30-year, 40-year, 50-year timeline. So it's, it's impossible to know now where to invest. For me, it's about standing for what I believe in and trying to invest in a world that I want to see. Yeah. And I think 
those are all good points. I was having a conversation with a friend about this and was saying, oh, like, I feel like I really need to switch my super. I don't even really know where my money is going to probably look into some more ethical alternatives. And she was kind of like, yeah, but why would I do that if it means that my nest egg is going to be smaller in the end? <laughs> but I think you made a good point that past performance doesn't necessarily dictate future. And hopefully some of these industries that these more ethical funds are contributing to will be growing yeah um and i think yeah. if you look at it at like a fairly fundamental level like something like fossil fuel industry is slowly shrinking we all know that we need to use less coal less oil if your investment fund is invested in these companies at some point that's going to lose value if your investment fund is looking towards the future that climate positive future then there's a good chance it will grow in that next that sort of time frame that we're looking at and for our listeners who maybe want to compare super or look at what their current fund is investing in, where should they go? Because I was actually trying to find it for my current fund and it was more difficult to find than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's not as easy as you'd hope. Finder does have some pages on it. We, we do compare Shameless super. Plug. <laughs> yeah. Our favorite kind. Shameless plug. If you can't find it quickly and it's not on Finder, I genuinely suggest just calling up your super fund. Hey, what's the performance of the last three, four, five years? What are you invested in? Do you have any policies on responsible investment, ESG? They have to have answers to these questions. And if you call them up, you might not get it from the, you know, the customer service rep who answers the phone, but they might send it through to you or send you a product sheet that will tell you the information. Mm. And if not, maybe send them like a passive aggressive tweet. I'm sure that will get a response pretty quick. <laughs> yes, when in doubt, always ask the social media team. <laughs> what are some examples of ethical investment options? So for example, if we start with savings and term deposits. Yeah, I think this is another really interesting one. People don't often think about their savings pot in the same way. It's, just, it's very similar to super. You're putting this money away. It's accruing interest. You don't really think of that. But again, the bank is using that money somewhere. They're probably putting it in their own investment pot. If you have a bank that invests in fossil fuel industries, you're probably funding fossil fuels somewhere down the line. So I think this is, again, it's a powerful one to think about. There's a really great product by Ubank called the Green Term Deposit. So term deposit is, is a savings account where you lock money away for a certain number of months and it guarantees a certain level of return. But this one, the green term deposit, is slightly different because it, A, has a pretty competitive interest rate. Um, but at the same time, it's being all, all that money is being used to support a range of renewable energy projects and initiatives. It's all backed by this organization called the Climate Bonds Initiative. So it's all legit. Another shameless plug. They won our Finder Green Innovation Award last year at the Finder Awards. So it's an amazing product. And they've already shifted a whole bunch of savings towards, again, funding the future we want to see. If you don't want to lock away your money for months on end, there are savings accounts from banks like Bank Australia who are, you know, you've probably seen their billboards all over Australia. They're the bank that doesn't invest in fossil fuels. There's a bunch of them, but they're very public about that. And they, again, have a savings account that offers decent returns. And what about direct investments? First thing first, when you're not looking at a savings account, you are looking at an investment that has risk. So risk means that you can make more money than a savings account, but you also have the risk of losing money. And it's the same whether it's sustainable, ethical or not. If you are interested in taking that risk and trying to get in the stock market game, I think probably the easiest way is to, for beginners is through these micro-investing apps. So we've seen the rise of apps like Raise and Comsec Pocket. And these are all on your phone. They've got pretty low fees. Raise has a cool feature where if you go and spend, you know, you spend $2.50 on a coffee or round it up to $3 and put that 50 cents in an investment fund for you. And both Raise and Comsec Pocket have ethical investment options where they're making investments on your behalf that are sustainable. They do that through these things called exchange traded funds or ETFs 
which kind of tracks stocks in the market. But yeah, it's kind of quite hands-off, pretty low fee and a good way to try it out if you're worried about it. The downside of using a raise or a Comsec pocket is you don't have that much control. So they've picked an ETF that they think is sustainable. They both picked the same one, interestingly. And if you want to do it directly, you have more choice. There's a heap of ETFs out there where you can invest in ethical or again, it's like to match your what you believe in. There's a whole different like range of criteria. You can do that through share trading platforms like IG Share Trading, Saxo Capital Markets. And again, we've got a bunch of pages on Finder. If you're interested in investing, I think start there. There's a whole bunch of good guides on where you begin. And then I think once you understand the basics of how you invest, I think you can then put that ethical or sustainable lens on top of that. So a bit of a similar question to when we were talking about super just before, but how do ethical investment options compare? Are the fees and rates competitive? Because similar to what Mark said, I'm sure that that would be a lot of people's first question when they're thinking of maybe switching. So yeah, I think the, the place to start on this is performance. So if we look at some of those ETFs that we've mentioned before, the beta shares Australian sustainability leaders, the beta shares global sustainability leaders, these are two of the most popular ETFs in sustainability in Australia. They've performed really well in the last year when you compare them to sort of comparable ETFs. So the beta shares Australian sustainability leaders has been at 22.39% for the year. And the beta shares global sustainability leaders ETF is up 24.44% for the year to October 2019. That's crazy. Like that's good growth. Like that's not slow. That's like, I'd be pretty happy with a 20% return on the year. I don't know about you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 50. <laughs> but if you compare that to some of the other popular ETFs that are unethical or whatever for everyone to use, <laughs> but the biggest ETFs, you look at Vanguard Australian shares index or the iShares S&P 500 ETF, the first one is 19.24% for the year and 17.82 for the year for the iShares option. But again, don't forget that that's performance, past performance doesn't mean, you know, we might have a slowdown in the economy this year and it might not be the same. I'm not guaranteeing 20% returns <laughs> on your ethical ETFs. Um, and also it's important to look at the fees. We've mentioned that ASIC example before. These fees on big investments can stack up pretty quickly. And on these examples we've just used, the beta shares examples are higher fees than those Vanguard and the iShares ones. But then it is also important to note that those two are popular, are the two most popular ETFs in Australia because they're low fee. Um, so I think that that those, if you're looking at a, for example, the beta shares Australian sustainability leaders is a 0.39% fee per annum. That's fairly competitive across the market. There are some super low fee ETFs, um, but that's not necessarily the case for all of them. So we've spoken about super term deposits, savings accounts, shares and ETFs, but it seems like there's a little bit of a theme running through uh, everything that we've discussed. And I think it's really interesting. You kind of have to think about way up, yeah, the returns and the fees and everything, but also really think about where you want your money to go. And I think, especially with super, like for the longest time, I never thought of it as money that I was investing into something. I only thought of it as money that I would have when I retired. Yeah. So I think it's definitely an interesting conversation to have. People might not realize that even if you don't have a self-managed super fund, you still have a degree of control over your super, even if it is just off the shelf. Uh, so yeah, like you may not think you are able to change where your money is being invested in your super, but you actually might be able to. So You've got the power. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's never been easier to switch your super. Like I've mentioned that I'm with Future Super now. I changed that a few months ago. It was the easiest thing ever. It took me two or three minutes. Like I, I put in my details, it found my old fund, it pulled it all in. It's, wow. it's easier to switch than you think. Yeah, I know personally, it's one of those things that I've just kind of put off because yeah, I have this misconception that it's just gonna, I'm gonna have to sit down. It's gonna take me hours to like contact my existing fund and whatever, yeah, yeah. but that's good to know. The super fund will give you a sack of money and then you've got to walk <laughs> down to the, the next super fund. Yeah, exactly. It has like a big dollar sign on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we touched on uh, your banking and how that can also be put into ethical or green uh, investments. How do you know if your bank is doing the right thing by the environment? So, you know, it's not the easiest thing to find information um, and banks usually aren't super transparent about their investments unless, as you mentioned before, it's part of a marketing campaign. So how do you steer around that? Yeah, I mean, this is a quite a tough one. There is a charity out there called Market Forces that have done a pretty cool analysis of how Australian banks have or haven't lent to fossil fuel industries. And that's a big part of sustainability and going forwards. Uh, some of the bigger fossil fuel free banks out there, Bank Australia, we've mentioned Bendigo Bank, ME Bank. This one's a bit more complicated and it kind of applies to everything we've already spoken about. But there's kind of two ways you can think about a bank in terms of how it treats climate change and sustainability. They can either refuse to invest in fossil fuel companies, for example, and lots of them do, like the ones we just mentioned, or they can become kind of very active shareholders in these companies. Um, so you can take a position where you do buy shares in fossil fuel companies, but you go to all of their AGMs and you vote down the stuff that you think, or you make sure that, you know, suggest that they shouldn't be in coal anymore or become slightly greener or lower their emissions or whatever it is. You become this active participant in the business. And that's certainly been the approach of some of the, the bigger super funds. So I know, for example, Australian super kind of take that approach that they, they would say they're very sustainable and that they take these sort of stakeholder um, engagement positions where they work with these companies and say, we won't vote, for, we won't agree with you, we won't vote this for at the AGM unless you make these changes. So there's kind of two approaches to thinking about it. And how do Australian banks stack up globally? Actually, pretty well. Um, I think all of the big banks in Australia have big sustainability teams. MSCI run a sort of ESG rating system for all companies that are listed around the world. ESG stands for Environment Social Governance. So it's like these factors that mean you're a good company, effectively. Westpac is a double A, which means it's a leader, puts it in the top 13% of all banking stocks in the world, which is pretty impressive. And NAB, NAB, ANZ, Combank are all A. So this is pretty good. A and triple A, double A is good. And being an A grade puts them in the top 45% globally. So I think there's a bit of a misconception that the big banks are terrible for the environment. They're all doing pretty amazing stuff. They're in a bit of an arms race on who can announce the, the most impressive renewable energy plan um, and all this kind of stuff. They're, they're doing great stuff. They've got big teams working on it. So I think we shouldn't underestimate what the normal bank in Australia is doing on sustainability. That's a great point. Okay, so Ben, we're now at the stage in our uh, conversation where we're going to tackle underrated versus overrated. <laughs> so this is a fun little segment where mm -hmm. we give you a topic and then you tell us whether it's overrated or underrated. Okay. And why? I'm ready. So first things first, going vegan, underrated or overrated? Overrated, but vegetarianism better. 
Ooh, Ooh. tell us why. I'm vegetarian, so I'm keen to hear about this. Well, I think the the big one from a sustainability perspective is beef. If you can cut out beef even as a start, that's massive. I think going whole hog vegan, uh, unless you're a game changer's convert, is <laughs> maybe a step too far. Ooh. Very nice. Very nice. I don't hate vegans, though. So <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, clarify. I feel like... <laughs> ben hates It's your choice. It's your <laughs> choice. <laughs> the British royal family. Overrated. Ooh. Tell us why. Yeah, give us the dirt. <laughs> Unelected monarchs. It's quite dated, isn't it? I'm not like a strong, like, let's take down the royal family. Um, but I wouldn't be devastated if we made a slow transition away from having one. It's, it's yeah. I think Australians like them more than the British on the whole. There's a lot of fanfare, I notice. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. The crown, though. Yeah, I mean. Come on. Amazing. <laughs> the object of the show. The show, oh, okay. but also the object. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll don Sorry. either. <laughs> Bondi Beach. Oof, you guys <laughs> put me on the spot. I live there and I'm going to say it's overrated. Tell yeah. us why. Yeah. It's a bit too busy mm. most of the time. I, I love it in the mornings or in the evenings, like more so in winter where it's like quiet. It's an amazing beach. Um, but most of the time that amazingness makes it a bit too busy. We're definitely typecasting you here, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Royal family, Bondi, Brit. <laughs> uh, what is the most underrated sport? <laughs> you're serving me up <laughs> well there's this little known game called korfball it's a dutch game mixed gender uh everyone can attack and defend uh, i actually used to play for england Funny you should bring that up. <laughs> oh my god we didn't know we'll make sure to drop some evidence in the show notes this is crazy <laughs> what does a korfball look like a korfball is a size five football it's like it's kind of size five it's hard it's a bit more inflated I think the more interesting bit is the basket. It's uh, three and a half meters high. So that's like the top of the backboard in basketball. Super high, really hard scoring. And it's like a yellow plastic bucket. Oh, oh my God. I have zero chance. <laughs> that's not quite true. It's a sport <gasps> for all. Oh, my God. Ooh. I don't know if I quite believe you, but we'll try. <laughs> and last but not least, recycling. You've really put on some spicy topics for me. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I'm going to say overrated again. Yeah, we're in a real interesting time on recycling where a lot of the Asian countries that were receiving uh, recycling for cheap are no longer doing so. Um, and particularly in Australia, it's like, well, what the hell do we do with all this recycling? Like a lot of people make a lot of effort to put it in the right place and put it in the right bin. And we don't have good solutions for actually recycling that right now at a cost, like, cost effective price. So recycling as it stands, bit overrated i think as a concept it's underrated and like big into like reuse and actually making sure you sort of have stuff that you use again and again rather than plastics that you can put in a recycling bin and it be melted down and be used again because that process is a bit broken at the moment i think we'll fix it but there's a lot of upfront investment to get those recycling centers working again that was a slightly longer answer than you probably said. No, I think it's a very important point. And we, yeah, we had an interesting podcast episode with Anita Van Dyke about living like a more sustainable life. Uh, and she made that point quite a few times as well. That yeah, love that one. Big yeah. fan of the show, by the way, guys. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> underrated. Mark. Yeah, pocket money, underrated. <laughs> Mark and Sally. Overrated, underrated. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for that, Ben. That was very enlightening. Very spicy. 
we're talking about going green with our money today. And a big part of that is obviously where we live and our houses. I understand that Australians have three main factors to consider when they're choosing a green energy provider. So uh, what are they? Yeah, so I think energy is, again, it's a huge one. How we generate electricity is huge, like massive percentage of carbon emissions for every country in the world. And again, you have the power with your choice and who you go with to choose a greener option. Um, as you say, there's kind of three options in Australia. You've got green power, which is green capital G, capital P, is a government initiative. So it's you pay a little bit extra for every kilowatt hour of electricity you use. And that money is directly funded like green power initiatives around Australia. It's a cool program. It's not really done around the rest of the world. You also have like the option to have carbon neutral plans. Um, so there's quite a few brands like PowerShop and Energy Locals who'll do this as standard. So you opt to go with them as your energy provider and they'll, for all the electricity you use, they'll buy carbon offsets. That means you're carbon neutral, which is pretty cool. And then the final one is there's this thing called the Green Electricity Guide, um, which is a guide created by Greenpeace. And it rates all of the providers in Australia um, out of five for how green sustainable they are. Um, so that one's super easy. You just go on the guide. It's all on our energy tables as well on Finder. And a high rating means they're green. A low, yeah, a low green rating means they're not green. The good thing about these three options is they're not mutually exclusive. So, for example, someone like PowerShop will score super highly in the green electricity guide. All of their energy plans are sort of carbon neutral as standard. And they'll be able to offer you this government green power on top of their plan for a small fee per kilowatt hour. It's pretty simple. Ooh, you can go three for three. Yeah. yeah. And of course, we have to ask this question. Are these green energy providers more expensive than other energy options? Um, it depends which type you're looking at again. So the carbon neutral plans are often the same or cheaper depending on what plan you're on now and whether you've switched in a while. And for some providers like Energy Australia, so a lot of the population are with Energy Australia, Energy Australia have a carbon neutral plan that's opt-in and you literally just need to phone them up. So if you're with Energy Australia and you're listening to this, call them up today and say, hey, I want to go carbon neutral. And they just say, yep, and it costs you no extra money. Oh, cool. <laughs> AGL do something similar. It's a dollar a week. And again, like Energy Locals, PowerShop are pretty price competitive as well. So worth checking out carbon neutral if you're like on a, a tight budget. Green Power does come at a premium. So the way that Green Power works, this government initiative is you pay a little bit more per kilowatt hour. But it's not as much as you might think. So, for example, I'm with Energy Locals. And I'm 100% green power because I have to practice what I preach. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, I, with Energy Locals, it's just under four cents per kilowatt hour. So I use around three and a half thousand kilowatt hour in our flat with my girlfriend in Bondi. Um, and so for that additional 100% green power, which is all going towards this amazing renewable energy projects that are government accredited in Australia, I'm paying about $136 a year. So that's like $10 a month. Um, which is, you know, in Australia, that's, I'd barely get a beer in Sydney for that. <laughs> <laughs> Less than 10% of Australians have switched to green energy so far. Do you know why this might be? Yeah, I think immediately these options can be a bit confusing when you first start to go looking. And I think the government-backed green power program will often be the first thing that comes up when you Google it. And that is at a premium. So everyone goes, oh, well, it will cost me more. And it does. But I think that's kind of skewed everyone's understanding a bit you can go green through carbon neutral energy which is probably about the same price as what you're paying right now so i think if more people understood their options and 
definitely the green electricity grad is a great resource on this. I think uptake would be a bit higher. Yeah, that's cool to note because I think that is the misconception, like you were saying. But if there are things that you can do where you can contact your energy provider and all it is is a call and then, you know, they can offset and make and you can be carbon neutral, like why not? And I think I'm with PowerShop and I didn't even realise this. <laughs> <laughs> you just like their smiley logo. Yeah. <laughs> make me feel good. <laughs> And what about appliances and other products that we have in our home? So I'm sure a lot of people have noticed, you know, on their fridges or other appliances, there's like the energy rating sticker. So what does this mean? Basically, a higher star rating means it uses less energy for whatever job it's doing. So a fridge will keep your food cold for less energy usage. And that kind of has this payback period down the line because you're paying less um, in energy bills to power that appliance, basically. Um, so our PR team, our insights team, actually did a little bit of analysis on this last year. Um, and they looked at dryers as an example. So if you take a two-star rated dryer, the average cost is about $700 up front. It would cost you just over $300 to power it. So across five years, it's like just below $2,500. Across 10 years, it's like $3,800. $3, if you compare that to a super high rated one, the eight star, you're paying way more up front. So you're looking at like $1,600 up front, but the annual running cost is down to like $100 a month. So across five years, you're looking at like just over $2,000. And across 10 years, you're looking at $2,500. So it's like this upfront cost, which will put people off. But actually, if you do the calculations, you might be better off getting a higher rated appliance. It's a, it might save you money in the long term, but also, it's about that environmental impact. So if you're using less energy, you're less likely to be funding fossil fuels, all these things, and it's a greener option in the long term. So also talking about energy in the home, what about solar? So when does that sort of become worth it? I mean, this calculation is even more complicated than the appliance one. Australia is definitely one of the best places in the world to install solar. We have loads of sun. <laughs> <laughs> It's why we all moved here. You know what I mean? I mean, you guys didn't move here. That's why I moved here. <laughs> the biggest driver of the payback period of solar is when you use electricity. So if you're the type of person that uses a lot of electricity in the day when the sun is shining, the payback periods can be really short. Because the way it works is if you don't use it and you don't have a battery to store the power, you get paid for the, the electricity coming out of your solar panels. But that's way less than you pay for energy. So the best way to use energy from solar panels is to use it when it comes through the panels. If you export 75% of your energy to the grid, which means you're probably not using much in the day, then the payback period for most people in Australia for a decent five kilowatt system is about five to seven years. But if you're using 50% of the power coming from your solar panel, so you are using it in the day quite a lot, it can be like as low as two years for a payback period in some states. Mm. I was saying before this that my mum got solar power panels on the weekend, so she'll be very happy to hear this. Wow. And of course, she's listening. <laughs> Our biggest fan. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Did she do that for cost reasons or environmental reasons? She did it for both, but I think it was more environmental, you know. Go Sally's mum. <laughs> 70s hippie lady. Rock on. Yeah. <laughs> So you've given us a lot of great tips today, Ben, but if you could encourage our listeners to do one thing to make a greener money choice after this episode, what would it be? Well, if you have Energy Australia, ring them. <laughs> That'll take you 
five minutes and it's a big save. But I think generally for everyone, the big one for me is super. Like here in Australia, we're blessed with a pension system that is both generous in how much they give us and pretty flexible in how we invest it. So use that pot of money to invest into a world that you want to retire in, not one that's two degrees hotter and we're all moving because it's the icebergs are melting. Mm, we're all living under under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Ben, our very own Captain Planet. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Check out Find a Green, everyone. It's a great section of our site that delves into sustainable options. Yeah, we'll make sure to drop that in the show notes. Lots of helpful resources there. Okay, Sally, so I'm feeling suitably sustainable. I'm feeling suitably guilty, sustainable Mm. and ready to go. Yeah, I think um, that's dispelled a lot of the uh, myths I had around investing in a sustainable or ethical way. And it also has driven home that the definitions of these things can be chopped up by different organizations and different investments. So like, you do need to do your own research, find out how a bank or a company defines their policy on sustainability or whatever it is before you invest. So you know what you're actually, where your cash is going. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, another good point that Ben made was that even if you are just doing one of these things, that that's better than nothing. You know what I mean? And just maybe being a little bit more thoughtful when you are comparing some of these options, like it can go a long way. Having a keep cup and a metal straw is one thing. And then, yeah, like we said, putting your money where your mouth is, is another. And another interesting thing is that some of these super funds are actually investing in these fossil fuel companies and then using their influence to have a better outcome. So I think that's also I a love good point. That. Yeah. Yeah. I love like imagining them being like dun 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 dun, dun, dun <laughs> like going into these companies being like dun, 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 <laughs> taking them down from within. Hopefully they do that. I mean, if they don't, what am I investing in? Exactly right. <laughs> we want on the boots on the ground. <laughs> So we hope that today's episode has left you all feeling as inspired as it clearly has left us. Uh, And maybe you'll have a bit of a think about how some of your financial decisions impact more than your bank balance. As we mentioned uh, throughout the episode, we'll include a bunch of the helpful resources that Ben mentioned, including a link to our Green Finder comparison hub in our show notes at finder.com.au slash podcast. Yeah, that's right. And as always, subscribe to Pocket Money wherever you uh, happen to receive your podcasts from. My personal favorite is Spotify, but that's just me. <laughs> and uh, follow us on Instagram at Pocket Money Podcast. Love it. Full stop, period, done. <laughs> the end. <Fin. laughs> but not really. So as we're heading towards the tail end of the year, Mark and I will be taking a well-deserved break. But if you, you know, maybe you're feeling ready to tackle your 2020 New Year's goals, feel free to go back through some of our old Pocket Money episodes and get inspired. Yeah, that's right. Go through the old catalogue, as we say in the biz. (laughs) Uh, Check out some of our old episodes while we rest our vocal pipes. Thanks for listening to Pocket Money from Finder. Head over to finder.com.au slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. The Finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions. Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening.